Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Get a chair, grab a seat, or we'll sweep you off your feet. We move, we groove, you got mellow. Ease your legs, rest a while, all you gotta do is smile. We're swell, can't you tell you got mellow? When the show begins, you better hold on real tight. Or before you know it, you'll be high as a kite. Take a break, settle down, we're the only show in town. SRO, don't you know you got mellow? Give it up, don't think twice, we're a hurricane on ice. What the hell, give a yell, ring your bell, show and tell. Mademoiselle, give a smell, you got Mel. You've got Mel. And Great Mel. Good. Yeah, it's very catchy. Yeah, it, it, like coronavirus almost. <laughs> um, so, Julie, it's great. This is the first time we're talking, really. We've been Facebooking yeah. for years. Yes, we have. And I've been uh, following uh, all your wonderful work with the community of children book writers around the world. But this show is about you. So. You've, you've got Mel. <laughs> so so I, I have a theory. Yes. That uh, children's book writers uh, are wonderful people who uh, are stuck somewhere in their childhood. And the age at which they're stuck is the age to which they end up writing most of their stories. Ah, that makes sense. I never thought about it that way. Well, that's why you've got Mel. So tell us all about your life. Oh, I was going to say, are you going to ask me at which age I'm stuck? <laughs> no, I think you're going to tell me. <laughs> um, wow, that's really interesting. Um, you know, and if I, if I had to guess, I'd say probably five years old. You know, I do write picture books. And there were some of my earliest memories from that time. And my mom is going to kill me if she sees this. But she won't was, see it. Nobody's watching, Julie. Nobody's watching. Just okay. you and me and a, a right. thousand other people. I, not um, your mom. Not your mom. I was obviously, from a very young age, loving children's stories and children well just at that time i was a child so let's just call them books right um and i have no memory really of being read to but i have um, my, all of my memories have books so it's like uh and my favorite story was charlotte's web and i had this stuffed pig that uh i named wilbur of course. And one day, I remember this very clearly, my dad asked me who I loved more, mom or Wilbur. And I hesitated. <laughs> I was really attached to the pig and I hesitated for just a split second. And then we moved shortly after that. And somehow Wilbur ended up getting sold in the garage sale, um, you know, and I, to it, this it, day. Wilbur was competition. 
Wilbur, you know, Wilbur got the axe. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that's why I'm stuck at five, but I do, I do remember being five and I have a lot of memories from that period in my life. So it's very rich um, compared to say earlier ages and whatnot. So maybe that's, maybe that's what got me stuck, you know, or where, where I got stuck. But S um, selling, selling Wilbur. Selling Wilbur. That's that was the defining moment in my in my life. There's a story here too. Yeah, probably, probably. So I I, I think so. It is it's it's okay. Your mom is is well. Yes. It's she, okay. It's okay to tell her how much you love her now. Of Never course. Way more than I ever loved Wilbur. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. So we've had many, many conversations about Wilbur over the years, and it's a bit of a running joke, but um, I think I promised her at some point that I would stop talking about it, but here I am talking about it. So sorry, mom. I've been in business. Right, right. So, so uh, and, uh, and you were very attached to your, to your father. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, one of um, my published books, My Love for You is the Son, I wrote fairly shortly after he passed away. And when I wrote it, I thought I was writing it for my kids. And I was, but it took, it didn't, I didn't realize until much later that I had actually written it for him. You know, it's a, uh, and life is like that. We have we have many things that are happening underneath the surface that get pulled into our writing. Some that we're consciously aware of, and some that we're that we're not, and maybe we don't realize until later. And that's one of the um, the one of the things I think is magical about writing. And, and you've been doing something magical during this uh, Corona period which is sharing uh, wonderful videos uh, for free. Oh yeah, thank you. How, how many have you uh, done already? I have done 12 because that seems to be, you know, my trademark number. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about 12 by 12 in a little bit, but um, yeah, I just, there, there are many lessons up to, you know, I think the longest one might be 25 minutes. I, tr I, I try to make them short and then, I get talking about picture books and then they go longer. But um, it's a series of lessons on different aspects of writing picture books. And they were so much fun to do. And I started, I started them right in March when I felt like everybody was just, we were all in shock. And I wanted some people to have something that was really, you know, bite-sized, but you could do something with it right away and I just kept going and in fact I think the last the last one at least for now um that I put out came out in September or something so they just sort of you're, you're a terrific teacher and um maybe underneath the video after our conversation you can put a link where oh sure because it's 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 really you know you are one of the experts and um and usually you get paid for your advice and you deserve to. Uh, and here you're giving away all this uh, wonderful uh, expertise for free. Um, I, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. I was, I was just complimenting you. But I Thank want you. to go back now from, from five till now. And, <laughs> and, and the remarkable story, do you have your books somewhere near you as you should I do, um, except for the uh, one that's coming next fall, which because it, it because it's so new that even you don't know what's in it. <laughs> so right. Can you, can you is, show us? Can you show us the book? Uh, yeah. So this is um, my love for you is the sun. I don't know if you can see that. And it's so beautifully illustrated by Susan Eady, who did all of the art in clay. Is this the one that um, that you uh, raised the, a huge amount of money for yourself? 
Well, it wasn't a huge amount, but yeah, um, I this was a book it, that, it, for, for Israelis. It's a lot of money. You raised <laughs> it's a lot of money, but I didn't make it for myself. Let me. No, well, we'll go back. No, so, no, be, one second, Julie. Before you, can you show us a couple of pages? Read a little bit of it. Yes. Yes. So um, let's see. And look, this is my own copy that's signed by Susan. Oh. Um, okay. So here's the dedication where I say, um, for dad, I carry your heart with me. And Eileen Spinelli, who is a lovely author and poet who really helped me get this book published, get this book out there. Um, my love for you is the sun rising in your tender heart. It shines on you when we're apart. My love for you is a tree giving shelter, strength and shade. It comforts you when you're afraid. My love for you is a river flowing constant sapphire blue. It guides the path ahead of you. I'm gonna zoom in so people can see that amazing um, uh, clay art. I mean, she even, she even has the shadow you know, of the duck and here are the little baby ducks. That's incredible. And maybe after the show, I'll um, post a link to her YouTube video where she did a, a time lapse of her making ah. the ducks. Oh, wonderful. So yeah. one second, but as usual, I'm jumping ahead of myself. That's okay. I, because I'm a, a head jumper. Uh, now we're gonna come back because we left you when you were five. We don't know where <laughs> you grew up. We don't know what happened to you in high school. Well, that was the 80s. So, you know, um, yeah, no, I grew up in northern Michigan. And um, so, you know, small town, very influenced by being outdoors, you know, all the time um, and suffered through the giant, giant hair, you know, in the 80s in high school, the worst possible time for a person to live through the eighties because we have all of those pictures are, you know. Um, and then I went to the University of Michigan uh, for my undergrad. And I went, after, after I graduated, I went to England to do a master's degree. And it's kind of interesting. So I was a political science major and I definitely don't want to talk about um, politics today, but I was, a, I was a political science major. And then um, I went and did my master's degree on international political economy in England. And I started, I wrote my dissertation on banking policy in the US. And so I worked for a consulting firm that analyzed US banking and foreign financial banking and financial policies for foreign financial institutions. And then I went into like the e-banking realm and so it was nothing to do with writing picture books. Although I had always been a huge reader um, and always loved writing, but never just thought that it would be something. So, so you had a good job in banking. Mm -hmm. But by the way, um, you might even know my baby brother who turns 60 today, uh -huh. so this is a good time to say happy birthday, David. So my baby brother, David Rosenberg, was chief economist of Merrill Lynch in North America. Oh, uh, a real I would. I'm I'm certain that I know people who knew him. Let's put it that way. I probably wasn't high up enough in um, the organization to have coming into contact with him. But, you know, an odd thing. <laughs> you know, the, the, at the time that I was working in the banking policy was when they were uh, talking about the Glass-Steagall Act, which I'm sure your brother would know all about. Um, so anyway, weird connection. But, but David, David is still a, you know, world famous economist. Uh -huh. and we were, we're, we're in a better place, Julie. Yes, very much so, for sure, for sure. Go on. So, so when did the the moment? Hey, I don't. 
I don't want to be an economist. I want to. <laughs> well, I was never an economist. I was more of a, yeah. But anyway, um, it was a, you know, it was a good job and it was uh, stimulating and I enjoyed it. But I knew that it was not like the job of my heart, you know. And in and, and any job, no matter what it is, you can always, there are always people who that is of their heart. And if it's not you, you can tell the difference between you and the people who are so passionate about the subject. Um, and I had, you know, I had a couple of kids and started reading books to them at, when they were, you know, infants. And I fell in love again with the, I feel like I have missed picture books when I was growing up because like I said, I don't remember being read to, I know I was, but I remember always being able to read. So it was like picture books were a new thing to me when my kids were little. And I was just amazed at how much could be put into these tiny you know, these short books and how profound and lovely and funny and all kinds of things. And so like a lot of parents, I got thinking of some of my own ideas and you got, you got hooked again. Can you, yeah, can you give me any, can you, Wilbur came back. So, um, can you Wilbur, give, Wilbur's really <clears throat> so can you give us an, excuse me, can you give us an example of uh, the books that hooked you when you when your kids were small? Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, I mean, anything by Jane Yolen, who remains my favorite children's book author today, and I'm very fortunate to have met her and have learned from her, um, especially Owl Moon. Um, yeah, it's, it's a classic. And your your writing is very lyrical. I was I was thinking of Jane when you were reading. So. Uh, <laughs> That's a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Um, one one of the things that I loved, and my kids loved the how to stay, how to dinosaur say goodnight and so on. And I remember one time sitting with my son and wanting to read Owl Moon, and he just was like, I don't want to read that because he could see from the cover and the pictures that it was going to be slow, <laughs> you know. And after I finished reading it, because that moment, you know, when the owl and he, he gasped. And then after, at the end, he was just, he just said, wow. And I saw the power, you know, of one, a single book and he was all hyper and wanting to, you know, read like jumpy hyper books. And then I read him this book and it just kind of, Took him, took him down. So definitely Jane Yolen, Owl Moon. And speaking of Eileen Spinelli, I, I love so many of her books. And because I was a working mother, she has a book um, called When Mama Comes Home Tonight. And it was like, when mama comes home from work, dear child, when mama comes home tonight, you know? So I used to read that one a lot. And it, and, and it just, you know, the, the, my daughter got fixated on My World by Margaret Wise Brown, which not Good Night Moon, but My World, which is a really like odd book, <laughs> honestly. Um, but she just got she got really um, got really into that one for a long time. But I mean, there are so many. I just um, that that there was one called Ten Sleepy Sheep that we liked a lot. So yeah, a lot of these lyrical. I I, I, can't, I can't find anybody who's going to say a nice word about Robert Munch on my show. No, actually, I take that back because I do love the Paper Bag Princess. Yay! I love the Paper Bag Princess. That book is brilliant. Um, but you know, I mean, you're going to always it, the people are going to be on one side or the other of "I Love You Forever," you know. There's he, other, he has other great books. He does. He absolutely does. Mortimer. Yeah, yeah. No, but the paperback princess is a brilliant. Ah, book. Me too. I like it's it's like, you know, it's and it was yeah, and it it was before its time, 
really. I mean, I don't know what year that book was published, but um, it's a girl. It's a girl power book, and yes. it was written before people were really, you know, girl power was hugely in the consciousness. I think of children. I, I, I was just thinking about it today. That particular book, mm-hmm. um, because I was I was teaching something about networking, and um, you know how we we often bug people too much. Mm. And um, there's a thing where, where she comes to the dragon and he says, they go away. I've already eaten 20 kids today. <laughs> it's, a, it's very funny. Come back tomorrow. Right, right. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, so you, you, you were inspired by, by, your, by reading to your kids. And then what happened? And then I started writing some of my own. And I, and I think I started where a, a lot of... Um, picture book writers in particular start, which is I have kids and I have messages and I have things that I want to impart upon them and kind of start by writing pretty didactic messagey books. And then you go to, you go to a couple classes and you realize like, that's not really what the market is looking for and so on. And you just keep writing and writing and um, eventually uh, I guess after three or four years, I mean, I kept, I still had my job um, when I was first writing. And then um, I started 12 by 12 also while I still had my job the first year I ran it. And then I realized um, it, it, a lot of things kind of came together at once, including, you know, my father's passing and I shortly thereafter I went to my regional SCBWI conference and I left I got I got a great reading from a first pages critique from Rotem Moskowitz who at the time was I think with Disney Um, and it was anonymous and so she didn't know it was me but it was and, and I felt so elated like for the first time I knew that I was on the I felt like I was on the right track that book has not been published by the way but it was sometimes it doesn't even matter it's like the the things that point you that tell you that you're on your way and I had this I was driving back it was in Denver and I live in Boulder and I was driving back and I was thinking what if I felt like this all the time you know with with my work and I just decided to take a big chance and left my job, um, monetized 12 by 12 in the sense that, you know, I never expected it to run more than one year. So really, <laughs> no, I, I, I really, cause I started it in 2012. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's going to be 12 years of 12 by 12. No, it was going to be 12 months, 12 manuscripts, 12 months. No, I know, but I, I, I was a member, but the problem with me, is that um, I uh, I write more than twelve manuscripts in a year? Well, that's uh, not a problem well, at all. It, of course, it's a problem, but we can talk about it later. Okay. Twelve by twelve by twelve is great for motivating people to write a story a month. Right. I have to cut myself down to writing only a story a month. Yeah. But, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say we all have our challenge. Our our. Specific you you have you have a huge following. And, yeah, and, and everybody that. loves you and and um oh, thank you and and what you're doing is like you're not publishing the books you're just inspiring people to stay with it yes i i firmly believe that the only way you don't succeed is if you give up because if you just keep going and you keep working you keep writing you keep revising you keep submitting you keep um eventually whatever it is for you something will happen it you'll get an agent you'll get a book published you'll you know and and from there another one and then just keeps going and 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 the reward is in the work 
I have to remind myself of that a lot, <laughs> that the reward is in the work. And we're we're, we're going we're gonna to get back to that in a moment, because you are one of the biggest sticklers in this profession. And um, I, I made a uh, Harold Underdown, whom I love. And he's, oh, he's great. Yeah. He's my mentor now, and I'm crazy about him. And yes. we, did, we, did, we did the math. Um, optimistically, one out of 100 really good writers succeed. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off um and um the rest of us um just write and write and write and then die so statistically <laughs> i'm sorry i'm coughing that's okay it's not infectious i hope um, <laughs> through the screen anyway <laughs> the um so so it, it, it's it's wrong to say that you eventually find an agent because most people even good writers don't. But I think that you're right to say that there is something in this quest, you know. So I'm one of the frustrated people who doesn't have an agent yet. But, you know, I've had three scripts that became TED-Ed programs that were seen by 7 million kids. So I think it's part of being able to look in the mirror and saying, okay, you're not there. And you may never get there, but, you know, you're, you're, you're giving it your best shot. Actually, I, I would reframe that and say you are there. Um, because oh, you I'm are... not there. You're there. The reason you I'm interviewing there. you, Julie, is because I want people to understand and to meet somebody who's one out of 10,000 writers who has an agent, who has a book coming out with Philomel next year. That is like one in 10, you're one in 10,000. And there's something in your DNA that doesn't, that almost nobody has. And most writers uh, can write from now to kingdom come, and they're not going to find an agent, and they're not going to have the stick withness that you have. Right. And this, and That's this the key there. And this inner belief. So, yes. because I, I want to go back now. So uh, you you've been to the you you have this um, a editor that's that's anonymously liked. One of your stories, and and then uh, and then you have this thing. What I didn't understand, where you found a publisher and the publisher went broke, and you had to raise the money yourself. No, the publisher didn't go broke. Yeah, no. So I this is so this is a long time ago now. Back, I think my first book was published in 2012, 2013, maybe. And at the time, it was like, oh, it's all going to be storybook apps. You know, I don't know if you remember that. And so I have one. <laughs> yeah. And so my this book, A Troop is a Group of Monkeys. Yeah. Um, this was actually published digitally first. And there were two apps, actually, the Troop is a Group of Monkeys, and then A Shiver of Sharks. And the publisher, Little Behalia, which is lovely, and they actually published, I think about a dozen really beautiful books before they went out of business, um, which I would like to assume has nothing to do with me. But, <laughs> I'm sure um, it doesn't. But you know, you can see that, that these were first published um, digitally on the iTunes store. And then she decided, the publisher decided to make a print book of the best of, of those. And, and it was a really interesting process, you know, because print medium was so different from the app medium that things had to 
you know, for instance, like in the Peacocks page, you know, when you on the app in the same page, you would land on it and the feathers would all be closed because you had to push the feathers for them to open, but that wouldn't work in, in a print book. So you have to make it, you know, fit the page and everything. So, was, um, so these books were published and then she really wanted, um, she, because the head of the publishing company loved my, just loved this manuscript. Yeah. But we both agreed that it wasn't um, right for digital, that it really needed to be a print book. Ah, okay. And she, at the time, she was really focused on digital to print. So we agreed that um, we'd run a Kickstarter to pay the upfront cost. So she still did all the editing and all the, you know, it was, it was a traditional publishing deal in the sense that, you know, the illustrator got paid in advance, um, all the all the editing, I didn't, you know, so we ran, but we ran a Kickstarter campaign to cover the expense of producing and printing the book. This is all incredible. And you raised $15,000 or something? Uh, something, 10, 15, something like that. Yeah. It so, was, what, it, so, so like you, you, you said, if you give $25, you'll get a free book or what? Yeah. What, what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, people do that today, but not with traditional publishers. And no, um, I mean, for a while it was, that was the thing that made my Kickstarter pretty unique was that um, I had a publisher and it was a traditional publisher, you know, a PAL yeah. publisher at SCBWI. Um, but, you know, small publishers do have a hard time, you know. Well, as we speak, several are going out of business. Right. So I mean, you, you should talk to them. I mean, this is, <laughs> let, let's think about this for a minute. Uh, in this difficult time, um, traditional publishers can think about what you did because this was an incredible success. This was a book that wouldn't have come out otherwise. Right, for sure. It, it's a beautiful book. Thank and um, it, did you have your agent before this, after this? I, I had my, I had, I didn't have my agent when A Troop is a Group of Monkeys was published. I did have my agent for um, uh, My Love for You is the Sun. So she really helped with tremendously with the contract for, for that because it was really quite different. And then um, my agent also sold uh, Korean rights. So the book ah, okay. was published in Korea as well, which is super exciting. So I have a, I, yeah. I don't have it right here, but I have the um, Korean version of this as well. Yeah, my Korean is, is very poor, so, yeah, it's, me so too. We're, we're going to apologize now for all of our listeners in Korea. Right. We don't know how to speak Korean, but we're very, very grateful that I am very grateful that the book was published in I, Korea. I, I think that that's wonderful. Yeah, I know uh, my first foreign uh, foreign rights. But, but, but like, but OK, so but here here's the thing. So but there's been a hiatus between these books. Yes. And your new book, which is coming out next year, it's like been six Yeah, that's a nice years. way of putting it, hiatus. <laughs> Some people would call it a drought or a dry spell, but yeah, it's been a uh, while. It's been at my age, I try and be nice. Yeah. Like up until 40, I was mean, and now I try and be nice. Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, one of the amazing things that, that I, I see in you is, uh, and I don't have that, but I, you know, I mean, I, I would buy some if you could sell it is this eternal optimism um you know you have an agent and years have passed and you're not selling but you're still you're teaching and you're getting people excited and to an extent you're a published author but you're also waiting for a long time yep for, for, for this next one and here it comes mm -hmm. and um and you know uh, philomel is a great publisher and uh and I would love to sink my teeth into that. You have you, you have anything you can show us? Some um, gosh, you know, if I'd thought of it, I do. I've seen near final art, 
and um, I do know it's coming in the fall. What's it about? Could you read us yeah, a few lines yeah. of it? So the title is Over, Bear, Under, sure. Where? Where? Okay, right. So Over and Under are characters and they are friends. So there's a lot of wordplay in, in this book, a lot of wordplay and a lot of humor. And so Over and Under are meet, meeting at the playground to play when their fun is interrupted by a bear who appears on the scene, although that's what they think is happening is that the bear is ruining um, their day at the park. And actually something else is really motivating the bear. So it becomes a story of um, unexpected friendship but also about not coming to snap judgments about, I guess, people, in this case, a bear or their intentions, which I think turns out to be a pretty timely message. You know, if there is, I didn't write it to be, to have the message per se, but you well, know. I mean, you, do, you, do you think that you, this is a really important question for me. Do you really think that you know why you're writing while you're writing? No. Because most often the stories I write, I don't, I don't know. I brought one to, to I teach beginners how to write children's books. Mm -hmm. And um, I brought a story that I wrote. And they gave me 10 different reasons I wrote the story. Yeah. 10 different morals. And I said, that's really nice. And I'm glad that you read all these things into it. But I didn't mean any of those. I just wrote it. Right. I, I think when you first sit down to write something, at least I can only speak for myself, obviously, but there's, there's for me, it's usually, I don't know, it, because I, although I do write lyrical, um, I also write humorous, you know, funny. And so sometimes I'll get like a punny title or, something like that and it, and it sort of takes off in that direction so you don't really know at first but then you start looking at what you've written and you can kind of see the deeper themes that can that can get pulled up to the surface and I think that's an important part of the process but I agree that you don't always see it I mean you may think that you're writing for a particular purpose and, and then after the book is written, um, you know, you're like, oh, that's what that book is about, <laughs> you know? Um, so no, I don't, and, and, and what I find personally is that if I do sit down to write something, you know, that it, it doesn't flow as well and it ends up not being as enjoyable for me because it's like, there's too much pressure right from the beginning and, um, you know, so, but I do think that we have these things that are deep within us that keep emerging um, in our work. When, and, when you, sorry, Julie, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, so I, I agree. I, I, I don't think that we know necessarily when we sit down to write a first draft, this is what I'm writing about. Do you feel that there is a five-year-old Julie inside you writing the book together with you? I don't feel that way. I wish she was, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't, but I, I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to channel her a little bit more. Um, maybe it's just that it's, there, I'm, I'm, I'm just still connected in, in a certain, in a certain way. And, and I think, if I had ever imagined myself becoming an author when I was younger, it would have been to write like the great American novel, because that's what I read. I read novels, you know, mostly. Um, and it just didn't turn out that way. And so, so I didn't start with this burning desire to write books for children. I loved writing, I loved reading, I loved reading and then I loved writing and I just fell in love with the beauty and the art of 
picture books. And um, that's just kind of where I stayed, you know? Do you think it's an advantage or disadvantage that you're not an illustrator as well as an author? <sighs> Mostly I think it's a disadvantage just because there's so much, I mean, actually the book that's coming out in the fall over bare underwear is so visually orient, like almost all of the humor is in the illustrations. So it was one that did have quite a few illustration notes. And I'm, I feel very fortunate that my editor, Talia Benemy at Philomel got it, you know, um, because it's definitely one of those books that requires the visual element in order to pull it off. If I were an illustrator, I could have done that. You okay, know, so we, we have a lot of people in the audience who, who don't write children's books. So these illustrated, illustrator notes or art notes that we put in the story to fill in, uh, right. usually we teach our students not to do, but we end up doing them anyway. Well, you don't want to do them unless they're absolute. I mean, we could have a whole conversation just about illustration notes. Not, not today. <laughs> but, and I actually have a whole, whole course on illustration notes if anybody's interested. But, um, but that's the challenge of being a writer only in a, in a genre where half, at least half of the story is told in the illustrations. It's not the same thing as like say a chapter book or a story book where the illustrations are really just there to kind of show what's already in the text. In picture books, the text takes part, like a huge part of the story and, and, and carries it. So it is a little challenging and we try to avoid art notes as much as possible. But if you, but we also have to think visually. So it's this constant, but on the other hand, you know, illustrators have, I wouldn't even say twice as much work. They probably have three times as much work because I would think that getting the art right and the text just right is a huge, huge, huge amount of work. And in some ways, it's sort of a relief to be able to just write it and go, okay, you figure out how that's gonna, how that plot twist is gonna look on the page. I got the ball in the air. Yeah. You decide where it's gonna come down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should ask you? Mm. You have a, a, um, a, a like a platinum advice for writers or for people who want to write children's books or I, I think that the, the, the problem that we have as writers um, is teaching other people where the ideas come from. Yeah. We I always it, always say, well, you know, you have an idea. It starts right. with an idea. The ideas are everywhere. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's really the execution of the idea that's the, the hard part. And no matter how many books you've written, whether they've, they're just written and or published, it's always disheartening when you first try to put your idea into form because it never matches, never matches what it is in your head. And that therein is both the reward and the challenge of writing is trying to get it as close to that vision that you have. But if I did have any, you know, parting words of wisdom, it's, and, and this is for picture book authors specifically, but I think it applies to anyone is you have to just keep producing new work, whether, whether you have an agent, whether you've published, whether you've because you are changing as a writer all the time. And every, you, you know, one, somebody said early on in my writing career, um, and I really chafed against it at the time, uh, said, no writing is ever wasted. And I really did not buy that because I'm a very, I, I have limited amount of time to write so when I write, I need, I want to be making progress. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I want to, I'm trying to get this manuscript from here to there. And, you know, in, in, in the process, I, I was kind of losing a lot of the 
joy and the playfulness. But but now I now that I've written you know so much more, and in that period of time that you talked about between when my last book was published and the one coming, I mean I've had five or six books that have been on submission that have gotten to various stages and just didn't get contracts, you know, um, and I've been writing the whole time. And now I have another set, you know, that's about to go on submission and with success, I'm not even sure if I'm making any sense right now. Um, but success is what you define it as. And there will be many rewards that come that aren't necessarily the brass ring we all think we're hoping for, you know? And I don't even think that there is a, I'm gonna get there. Because once you've gotten there, you wanna get there, and then you wanna get there, and then you wanna get there. And so if you don't find the joy in the process of doing it, you're just forever gonna be dissatisfied. So, um, just keep writing and keep learning, keep growing, keep connected. I think writing connects you to yourself and to others. And it won't be wasted because eventually all of it, it, it will turn into something. You know, it may not turn into exactly the thing that you thought it would. It might turn into a script. It might turn into, like you said, a, a, a show, a podcast, a, a something. But because it changes you, the process of creating it changes you, it's destined to do something for someone because you will channel that. I hope that doesn't sound, I mean, I, mean, I do live in Boulder and so that could sound a little bit new agey, but <laughs> just keep writing, keep going, keep no, but working. I, I think that that's very beautiful. Um, I think that's beautiful because so, you're saying that because I um, I've been frustrated since I went to the SCBWI in New York four or five years ago, uh, and I came back very frustrated and um, I started to itch. Like I have I have as a writer I have psoriasis of, of writing, I itch and I scratch. And what you're saying is that um, instead of saying I'm here and I'm I want to be there, what you're saying um... is no. I'm there. I'm there. Right. I'm there. And, 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 and tomorrow I will be there. I'll be in a different there. Yes. That's very beautiful. Thank you. And, That's and a also, right? Yeah. And also the other thing is that writing changes us. I, never I just had that. that. Yeah. I just had that epiphany a few weeks ago thinking, God, been working on this book for seven years. It, what if it never gets published? And then I thought, what if it never does? I'm still very different as a result of having written this book. I'm a completely different person in a lot of ways and in, in better. And so, yes, I do. I, mean, I, I can't judge compared to, but you're, you're terrific now. And <laughs> um, I think that you've epiphanized us. Oh, thank you. Well, anytime I can epiphanize anybody, it's a good day. So that's kind of a big part of what I think my purpose is actually is to really help other people just feel better about the work they're doing and feel lifted up and know that, you know, you're not alone, that it is hard and it is a struggle and there will be days that you'll be so discouraged that you think I just can't do this anymore, but you can, and you will. If you, you know, because Mel, when you say uh, I wanna get there, but I'm not there, I'm here and, and, and so on. But you know what? Like think of all the people out there who are like, oh, I really wanna write something someday and they never do. Yeah, those are my customers. I, I work. Because I'm not a, a traditionally published writer, I work with the people at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, I say, you know, the chances of becoming a traditionally published writer are one in a thousand, one in 10,000. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. But I want you to, to write your guts out. That's, That's right. Yep. Um, That's a good way of putting it. Write your guts out. Eventually, something will happen with it. So, so I mean, uh, thank you for sharing 
this, uh, and I hope that oodles of people see it because you are so inspiring. Thank and you. Um, I hope we meet at an SCBWI meeting in person. I do too. Yeah, I hope so too. We'll definitely, as soon as we can travel again, we're going to have to make that happen because this was just delightful. Thank you so much. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely honored. And oh, um, me too. I, I just tell you that I was going to, I, I'm from Ottawa. Mm -hmm. I left Ottawa 50 years ago to go to Israel for a year and I, ne I never really came back. <laughs> and there was supposed to be an SCBWI meeting Society of Children, Book Writers, and Illustrators in Ottawa in April. Oh. And I was going to meet Harold Underdown in Ottawa. Do, they, do you not have SCBWI meetings in um, Israel? Is there not a chapter? Yeah, but, yeah, but there's a chapter, but they're all Israeli people. Oh, well, yeah. And I want to, you know, I want to meet people from all over the world. Right, right. You've just reminded me that we have an event this evening. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> ah, you gotta go. Well, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> on, on, on that happy note, yes, uh, we'll so, have to. Yeah. So please, please um, put underneath uh, the uh, video uh, mm -hmm. where people can contact you, um, your free lessons, um, and uh, and links maybe where people can purchase your books, and yeah. uh, continue to inspire so many people. Thank you. It's you too. You too. Thank you. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.